Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Book Journeys Radio, an interview series for authors in transformation. From the basic fundamentals of selecting a book topic and overcoming writer's block to advanced techniques for publishing and marketing your book. Don't forget to check out our complete schedule and archive shows at blogtalkradio.com forward slash book dash journeys. Now, get ready to make a difference with your book with your host, Vice President of the Author Incubator, Jen McRobbie. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Book Journeys Radio. It's April 27th, 2017, and I have a really um, important and amazing guest on the show for you today. As you know, every week on Book Journeys Radio, we speak to accomplished authors, Um, and today's author is a three-time bestseller. Um, Only one of those bestsellers was with us um, through the Author Incubator. Um, But we'll talk to her about becoming a best-selling author and how she developed the ideas for her book and is now out making a huge difference in the world. Today's author is Lori Losh. She is a certified addiction recovery coach, and I'm so excited to talk to her about her book. Welcome to the show, Lori. Thanks, Jen. So excited to be here. I'm so glad you could join me today. I always start the show by asking our authors to tell the audience a little bit about their book and who it's for. So let's start with your most recent book um, that you wrote with us, and then we'll talk about the others also. Sure. Um, The most recent book is called Rather Than Rehab, uh, Quit Bulimia and Upgrade Your Life. And my sort of ideal reader is somebody who's been struggling with specifically bulimia, but really any eating disorder or addiction, um, and needs help getting out of it. Mm. How do you come across a topic like that, Lori? I mean, it's it's kind of a terrifying topic, I think, to those of us that haven't really had much exposure to eating disorders. Is it? <laughs> a little bit. I mean, I maybe it's because. No, I love that perspective because when you know I, it was part of my life, so I never really think about how it is for people that haven't you know had that in their world. I think it's so common nowadays, and it's so secret, yeah. so hidden. I mean, even things like our, our, you know our obesity epidemic and things like that. We're obviously having some funky relationships around food. And, right. and I, I might have just taken it to one major extreme and people with eating disorders, you know, tend to do that or any addiction, really. We're not typically people that kind of flatline life or, or, you know, go big or go home. And that was definitely my experience. And, um, you know, coming, you know, gosh, I've struggled with bulimia for over 20 years <clears throat> and I never wow. thought that I would be this person at you know, 44 years old, I'm 48 now, I've been in recovery for four years coming up May 9th. And, you know, I was in a treatment center back in 95, um, until I was 27. I remember looking around and there was this one like older woman, my age now. And I remember thinking, <laughs> yeah, like you're older, you should have your stuff together by now. Right. right. There I was, you know, 44 years old and I'm still in it. And I'm like, man, I need to, I need to stop this. Um, but, you know, gosh, it was virtually impossible for so long, but then I figured out a, a way and a formula and some, you know, set things really helpful for me, and now it's all about sharing that um, and helping others overcome. 
I just think it's so important, Lori, and I and I think my you know fear of the topic or you know is that point that you just made that it is something that's hidden. And as a mother of two daughters, I'm scared that they would hide something that big from me. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. And so I, yeah. I, it's so I just I really appreciate the fact that you are willing to share such a personal story with. Really, the world, <laughs> right? In order to help others. Like I say, here it is. Yes. Yeah. Well, I I really believe our biggest mess in life is our biggest message, and so Melania oh. was definitely mine. And and it kind of the topic picked me. You know, people have to say, well, how did you choose a topic, or how did you, or ask the question, how did you choose a topic to write right. on? And it's kind of like, wow, it's I think topics choose us. They're our life experience, and they're where we can you know, have the biggest impact in terms of helping others overcome. And we can only really lead people, you know, down the path that we've traveled. So that seems like quite an obvious path for me. Mm -hmm. That is really um, at the core of a lot of what we teach at the Author Incubator, which is that you have to start from a servant's heart. And Mm-hmm. I, I love your phrase that our biggest mess is our bis- biggest message because that is such a succinct way of saying that we all are an expert in something, right? Sure. Yeah, that's amazing. Yes. So, I, I mean, so you say the topic came to you, you know, naturally just from your life and um, what you've experienced and what you've learned. But because it's such a personal topic, was it difficult to write about? Uh, in a way, it was. I mean, the process that different press takes you through is makes it so much easier. Like this book, when, I, when it was first sort of dropped into my soul, let's say, back, you know, in 95, I'm in a treatment center, I'm thinking, okay, I'm definitely going to, you know, help people come out of this one day. And the book that I was planning on writing, I had it was going to be called Private Prisons. And, and mm. I had this whole thought of what it was going to be. But, but somehow it, well, first off, I couldn't write it way back then. And I couldn't write it <laughs> until I had recovery of my own. Um, but right. even that, like the title itself, or even the way I was thinking of writing it was kind of more mem- memoir-y. And um, and I think that was my biggest block is because I didn't really want to write a memoir. Like, who really cares about this random person's story in a way, right? <laughs> and then right. when, when when you know that people want some, they they want something in it for them, how are they going to be helped by this? And you know, Angela really put it puts it in all of her authors' minds that you know be of service. And how are you going to help your ideal reader? And just sort of writing a memoir-type book, not, you know, maybe it will, maybe it won't, who knows, but she really had has a great formula for uh, creating, you know, structure around writing it from more of your heart center rather than your mind, and with that, mm. with that ideal reader in your mind, and so that totally switched it, then it was like, oh, okay, I get it, this is like a real depth, solid why, this isn't just this, oh, I just want to write a book, this is like, oh, yeah, I can really help people with this. So that that really switched the, the ease of writing. Right. And that, that that makes so much sense when you when you say it that way that shifting the focus away really it, it, I guess I want to say shifting the focus away from yourself and onto your reader makes it totally. maybe one step removed from the personal nature of 
your topic. Well, it just makes it, for me, it, it was still super personal. Like I, I've got stories riddled throughout the book of a very, very intimate, you know, embarrassing, what might be shameful kind of experiences that are, you know, things that I've done with right. food, food, with, you know, that. So I, it definitely has those aspects in it, but I think it, it created just a stronger why. I think like that's a big deal. We can mm. get busy doing but if we don't have a I really see. strong why, it can get kind of muddled and, you know, much, much harder to focus. And that's, once I got my why solid, it was like, damn, okay, this is, and it ch- changed my whole, you know, the chapters that I planned on writing and the different stories I planned on including, all of that really shifted. And then when it came time to, you know, sit and write, it was much, much easier. That's so interesting to hear, especially because, you have written and published two books prior to this one, right? Yeah, like I've done two children's books, and then but one adult nonfiction, and that adult nonfiction, um, my publisher suggested I take the contents of that and condense it and put it into Jack Canfield's um, latest, oh. you know, uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul books. Well, he, his latest is called The Soul of Success. So we've got a new series come, um, that came out last, oh, what are we now, 2000, yeah, 2000, late 2015, I think it was. And wow. so they suggested I apply to do, you know, a chapter in that. So that was my third, you know, quote, best-selling book. I guess if, if you're a contributing author, they include you in all those numbers in that. But, yeah, um, but then, <laughs> that's so fantastic. That was, that was, yeah, and then my other book, Safe Souls, is a teaching that I bring into businesses. It's on, it's on time, clean, and clear communication. And how that affects, mm-hmm. you know, essentially it affects companies' bottom lines because employees and staff members and teammates can come in and be, you know, clean and clear to be able to be creative and know that they're, everybody has their backs covered and there's just no drama, no gossip and all of that good stuff. So that was written out of really from my workshops. People were like, we really want to be able to bring this information um, home to our friends and families, like you need to write this. So I did write right. it, and it's a it's a great little book. Um, wasn't necessarily like my my guts and my you know like um, <laughs> rather than rehab rather than rehab was really like okay this is like a book that I had to had to had to write. And um, right, that's almost like you know, your destiny, right? Like, yeah, like I couldn't take this monkey off my back until I actually wrote it. <laughs> Whereas the other ones yeah. are more like kind of. <laughs> Just projects, let's say, that, okay, I knew I had to write, but it wasn't as significant as this one. Well, let's talk about that a little bit then, Lori, because I, I've i heard a lot of authors say that their book essentially, you called it the monkey on your back, that the book essentially was beating you down until you got it out on paper. Yeah. What, what's Definitely that like? Yeah, what's that like? Well, I mean – you said in 1995 you really wanted to kind of try to write this book. So, you know, here we are 10 years later. Was it beating on your door the well, whole 10 years? years later. Yeah. Or 20 years later. My God, I can't even add. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, in this case, I couldn't possibly write that book because I wasn't recovered yet. So I couldn't, mm. I couldn't, you know, lead somebody to a watering hole that was dry. So that's, that's simply why I didn't write the book all those years ago. Um, but sense. then writing, yeah, you have to you have to have the knowledge and the you have to be credible. You have to, you can't just be like, oh, these are theories that might work. No, it's like, right. this is what works for me. 
Um, right. And so Safe Souls, Safe Souls was a, was quite easy to write in the case because I had people that were asking for it. So it was like this thing out there was saying, you know, we really want this book, so sit down and write it. I was like, okay, I'll do that. And it was kind of like a little bit grumbling. And um, but but this one, it was it was a joy because I knew it was time. Like in in the world of recovery, you know, addiction recovery, when you get into the three and four years, you're actually they consider that it's called long term recovery. Um, mm. So I know I, I know I'm not going to relapse. I know that's something completely in my past and. It just felt like this is the time to write it. I'm I'm recovered enough. I've got enough knowledge base behind me and enough experience and enough hope. Really, like what they say in AA is, you want to give your experience, strength, and hope to those still suffering. Right. And right. You know, eating disorders are the same. The same thing. Any addiction is just pain avoidance. You're just you've got some pain in your you know pain body. If you want to use Eckhart Tolle's words, you've basically got right. pain, and we're trying to numb that pain. Whether we're using food, alcohol, workaholism, you know, codependent, whatever it is, using something out there to try to get out of that pain, well, you're an addict. So, so, um, yeah, it was just, it was just time. I'm, I'm no longer in that world. So, now it's time to help pull other people out of that world. It's really, it's kind of like living in hell. Well, and that, you know, that brings me to another question that. I have experienced or I've seen other people experience that when you have sort of a significant trauma or a crisis in your life, like, you know, addiction or, um, you know, a significant illness, and then you spend time getting well, and then you decide you want to give back to the community by helping others get well, do you feel that you have or have you experienced any like caregiver fatigue or anything like that when you have to sort of relive your experiences with your clients? Hmm, that's a great question. Caregiver fatigue. I mean, I haven't experienced it yet, but, but I'm new in the recovery coaching field and, you know, newly certified, newly working with clients. And so right now I don't have that. Now I'm asking the same question a year or five years from now, maybe. <laughs> but but I, well, I find I mean, it actually things change day to day, Lori. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. But like I find it's really empowering. Like just with, with a some twins yesterday, actually both still struggling, and and just to hear their stories of what they're in currently, and I just know that hell of it. I know it, and yeah. so I can look at it and go, Oh my gosh, I'm so thankful that I'm not in that anymore. So it, it, it almost, so far, it's kind of done the opposite. Like when I, when I hear all these stories and I get people like emailing me, oh my gosh, like many, many, many a day telling me their stories. And I have a little like loose form just so that our, our calls together are, you know, just you know, more effective. And I'm just wow. amazed at the, the things that people are sharing. And I'm just like, wow, I remember those days. And so I, I don't know, I, I find it, it's really exciting because I can use it as a real point of contrast where I was and where I am today. And yeah, I have a lot of hope for these people that are take so much guts to reach out for help with something that has sort of, I mean, it's almost, it's almost cool to be like an alcoholic or a drug addict or a sex addict or, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's almost like, Ooh, this is like a badge of honor, man. But like to be a food addict or to be bulimic is kind of like, Ooh, you're some weirdo. And so, 
I just, yeah, I just have a lot of respect and makes me feel like, wow, I, I'm proud of myself too. I, I really, I really am. I know where I've come from and it wasn't easy. And so, yeah. When I think that, that attitude of gratitude, to use a phrase that is often heard in coaching mm-hmm. circles, I think that I would imagine that would really carry you far when you're helping lift people up from really dark times in their life. Mm-hmm, for sure, yeah. So because you're a multiple-time best-selling author, what was different this time about writing or publishing your book um, than the previous times that you wrote? Uh, well, definitely, hands down, coming from the perspective of writing a love letter to one ideal reader. So that was a really mm. cool assignment. So before we even, as you know, before we even start to write the book, I, like I think it's six weeks into a three-month program right. or however many week program, and we haven't even written a written a word in terms of our <laughs> actual book. And I loved the the one of the first writing assignments was to basically outline who your ideal reader is. And, like, we wanted to really get into, like, what's she wearing? What perfume does she like? What is she listening to on her iPod? What's she, wow. What is she Google searching? What's her, big, you know, biggest dream? What's her biggest nightmare? All these things we really create this incredible picture. And oftentimes it's just simply you sort of four or five years ago or whatever, you know, you were right. in a struggle of your own, let's, let's just say. So it's pretty easy to get connected with that idea reader. But, um that was a really fun process. And then when I actually sat down to wrote the, write the book, it's like, okay, I'm, this is a love letter to this one person. It's not like I think in, in safe souls, I even use, you know, like one might have this blah, 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 like instead of you or she, or, you know, it's like this sort of generic, you know, proposition right. or whatever. And, uh, and, and this was definitely just like to this one person. Well, that made it flow from a place in my heart that was so much easier to access. Um, mm. So that was like, that was really, really helpful. And that was probably the biggest difference because the other books, it was more this knowledge that I had and this knowledge that had been effective in lots of people's lives and lots of businesses and that. But it wasn't really, I don't know, it wasn't as connected somehow. So that was super helpful. And then when I would feel like I'm maybe a little disconnected from the ideal reader or kind of forget, maybe get more technical. Like I do, you know, I go through a lot of the science behind eating disorders. So there is I'm sure. definitely some kind of text, text, textbooky kind of things. You just, you know, I did just have to put in there and wanted to put in that super helpful. But when I would kind of feel my, I don't know, my voice getting a little bit off, I would put this altar on my desk and this is a suggestion oh, of wow. Angela's and, it was like an altar to my ideal reader. And so I had this altar, and I, but I was, so it was like a candle, a picture, and some other things. And then I did this like really quiet meditation, like what's missing in this altar? Because something's missing. I'm not, I'm not reaching, like I'm not reaching that place in myself. And so, and what came up, it was a stuffed animal. It was like a stuffed <laughs> animal. What? Okay, right. like, I'm not totally not a stuffed animal person. Like I was never even a kid, really. I think maybe I had a, I don't know. I don't remember being a stuffed animal person, but I took one of my dog's toys and like these little stuffed, stuffed dog and I put it up there and I think <laughs> what it represented was, was being gentle. It was like, oh, yeah, this oh. is like being gentle and being nurturing and being loving and like it just helped remind me. And so when I would sit down to write, I just always made sure I had my, my little altar there and, 
And boy, it's such a simple tool, but super powerful. I I love I love that story, Lori, because you know so many people, so many times people talk about you know connecting with their ideal reader and you know doing a meditation or whatever. But I love that you actually built for yourself a physical reminder of who your ideal mm-hmm. reader was, so that you could like immediately tap into that energy whenever you needed it. Yeah, it was really helpful. Do you still have the altar? <laughs> No, I do not have the altar. That was kind of for just the writing process. And, I mean, on my desk, I do have things that I find inspiring. I do have candles. I have some plants and just things. I think that's something that is helpful anyway, just in your life. But, no, I right. I dismantled the altar. <laughs> well, and I think when you're working with people like you are one-on-one or, you know, over the phone or in person, it, they kind of become your – alter in some ways, right? You don't need to be reminded because yeah, they're there in front of you. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that's totally valid for sure. That that makes so much sense. Now, tell us briefly about um, becoming a certified addiction recovery coach. What does that entail? Oh, this was such a neat process. It's um, so I did a lot of research on who are the, like, what's the best coaching for I mean it was thousands of coaching programs out there but really right. in the addiction especially in the addiction in the addiction recovery process their, their space there's not really that many and all sort of roads led to this one it's called being true to you recovery coaching and it was they're just a really great group um Deanna Adamson is the founder and it's a 16 module so some people might take a year to do it some people might take six months however long you can or however you know, much time you have to dedicate. And it's just it's a lot of, you know, textbook knowledge on, you know, yeah. these people, you know, people, people kind of put their lives in your care. It's not like, like I find it, it's quite serious. It's not sort of like, oh, I'm going to coach people on how to, you know, not to say there's anything bad about maybe lighter topics, like how to be a good gardener or something. I don't know, whatever. But of course, I don't know. They can die from this stuff, right? So right. I don't take it lightly. I, I know that a lot of people with eating disorders are suicidal, that especially right. people that have struggled for a long time, that the, the stats on that is very high. So in the recovery coaching program, there's just a lot of how to deal with these, these situations and what are, what's the right questions to ask and how to, you know, um, help people along in their recovery journey and just to, to best support them. So I, I, I know that people can just jump in and be like, oh, I've got the experience behind me, so I'm just going to go do that. But I felt, for me, it was just really important that I have that education behind me before I start, like, messing with people's lives because you can mess them instead of help them if you're not qualified. Right. No, Lori, and I, and I think that that's really important to underscore when we're talking about, you know, your topic and your level of expertise because, you know, as you know, in the coaching field, there isn't a governing body. And so, um, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people wonder, you know, can you be a coach without being certified? Can you? And And I think obviously the answer is yes, you can definitely be a successful and amazing coach without being certified, but when you're dealing with issues such as addiction of any form, it makes sense to seek someone out to help you learn how to cope with the things that come up when you're speaking to someone who is an addict. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, exactly. And yeah, that really makes good so with, you know, ongoing training as well. So we have a weekly call that it's just, you know, these people that some of them have been coaching for 20 years or whatever, and it's just it might be a, a certain topic. Okay, we'll have a client who's really struggling here and there, and I've tried this and that and the other, and I'm not working. You know, whatever, you know, can the rest of the community pipe in and give suggestions? So even just that really practical, like how often do you get to actually sit in on a kind of recovery coaching Right. They're like never. And so not that no, we're exactly. sitting in on them, but we're being we're being brought the detail so we can use that detail in our calls. We're like, Oh yeah, that works for that one person. I'm gonna offer that up as a you know, tool. So yeah, it's just it's it's great for that even not you know, to get certified is one thing, but then to have that ongoing training is I think is excellent. Well, and to be part of a community, you know, that a community of people that all have a similar goal, I think that that is mm-hmm. such a, not only is it rewarding, but I think it's super important. It's part of the reason why um, we put authors into cohorts, right? Because when you have other mm-hmm. people with you, it makes the experience different. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah, it's different. So I've got my own clients through just rather than rehab recovery coaching, and that's great, um, but I just also do, yeah, I love the community and, you know, having some clients to them come to me, and it's just right. it's great. It's working out nicely, yeah. Well, we're we're starting to get short on time. I can't believe it. This This has gone so fast, and I wanted to let everyone listening know how they can get in touch with you if they themselves – you know, need to talk to you about a personal addiction or if they know someone um, that would really benefit from your coaching, where's the best place that people can find you, Lori? Sure, just my website. It's just easy. It's ratherthanrehab.com, and Great. there's a contact page. You can just go on there, and, and I'd also be, you know, be happy to send listeners out a copy of my book, and they can just request that on that contact um, page as well, and I can send out a PDF copy of that, and also have a recovery checklist, so that's a, sort of like a cheat sheet of you know, basically the book condensed into a three-page cheat sheet, which is, I think, a helpful nice. tool as well. Oh, fantastic. I hope everybody heard that. You can get a free copy of Lori's mm-hmm. book and a checklist um, on her website rather than rehab.com. Lori, whenever I end the show, I always end by asking our authors to – put themselves in the shoes of a a pretend listener that I just believe is out there. (laughs) So I believe that we have someone listening who has had an experience like yours, like a strong experience in their life, and they know they need to share it, but they don't know how. So what advice would you give to someone who's listening right now for how to get started sharing their story? Well, first off, just really know it's, it's never easy. Like that's just, that's just the mm. fact of it. So um, it's going to be hard. It's going to be scary. And yes, it's the way it is. So that's just a caveat. Um, but I'm available. Reach out to me if you want like a soft landing in a way, and I can walk people through that process oh. probably might bring it to their mom or their dad or their, or their husband or their kid, you know, Excellent. whoever they're going to need to bring it to next. Um, or, you know, I suggest to, to clients like that haven't 
you know, shared it with anybody yet is to really get quiet because there's somebody that's already, I believe, already prepared to hear their story in their circle of influence. So it's just like get really quiet and, and just see who comes to mind. And it might be somebody that you, that you maybe haven't even seen in a few years. You're like, what? Why is that person coming into my mind? But right. just, just sit with it, get quiet with it, and then make sure that they're somebody you, there's, like, there's some things like, Make sure they're not people that are really gossipy because this is your story to tell, not theirs. So just make sure it's a safe person, somebody that you mm. trust. Um, and then just just literally share it. It's like, this is what's happening. I need some help. And can you walk with me? And it might be that they walk with them for two days. It might be that they walk with them for two years. Um, that will, you know, obviously is different for every situation. The other thing is to just pop online. And there's EDA groups, which is Eating Disordered Anonymous, groups in most oh. major cities. And so great. that's just a great resource. To, for, I think it's for early recovery. I don't subscribe to being like, hi, I'm Lori. I'm an alcoholic for, you know, 30 years of my life, for right. all my life. I think there is freedom from these things, and we don't have to keep kind of um, really labeling ourselves. So I'm not a big fan of, like, being in EDA for 20 years, but it's a great resource. People, you know, that are walking through your same journey are there, and, and um, those are really, really helpful, too. Such great advice, Lori. Rather than rehab, quit bulimia and upgrade your life. Go on to Amazon to download it now or to pre-order the print copies. Or go to ratherthanrehab.com and get a free copy from Lori now so that you can get working uh, to help solve some of these problems in your life. Lori, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. This has been a real pleasure. Well, thank you, Jen. The pleasure is totally mine. Thank you. And join me next week on another episode of Book Journeys Radio. This has been another episode of Book Journeys Radio, where we're changing the world one book at a time. To find out more about how you can get your book written, published, and promoted, visit www.theauthorincubator.com.